You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Happy New Year, everyone. This is our first podcast of the year. I hope everything is going well. This was Oscar nomination week, and if you haven't seen what I've written on Substack, I will put that in the show notes. But basically, I'm still pissed off that Greta Gerwig didn't get a Best Director nomination. I'm still pissed off that Margot Robbie didn't get a Best Actress nomination. I am more than super pissed off that Origin didn't get recognized at all. And so I'm super glad that I am able to have my conversation today be with Ava DuVernay, who is the writer and director of Origin. And if that film is playing in your neighborhood, I highly encourage you to see it. Ava doesn't really need a lot of introduction in the world anymore. She is the writer and director of Origin. She is the director and writer of Middle of Nowhere. She directed Selma. She also did A Wrinkle of Time, 19th. She is a person who is challenging the status quo in the industry. She's forcing everybody to look at things differently. And I also just want to say that she is one of my heroes. She's one of the people who I look up to for forging her own path. So here's my conversation with Ava. Hope you enjoy. Congratulations on this beautiful movie. Um, As I've said to you, I feel like it's a spectacular accomplishment. So I just wanted to talk to you about a couple of questions I had. So in the notes, you said that after you finished reading the book, Cass, for a second time, I believe it was your second time, that you wanted to be the town crier. Can you talk about that feeling, understanding a little bit about your creative process? Yeah, I think sometimes I'll read something or I will encounter something and I want to make sure other people know about it. I want to delve deeper and I want to be in conversation with folks about it. And that certainly happened with 13th when I was reading information about the prison industrial complex and criminalization and learning more about the roots of it. And uh, the same with, with when they see us as I got more, you know, deeply into the case and just really understanding the injustice that had happened there, I thought, gosh, this is something more people should know. It does kind of come from that town crier of, hey, everybody, look at this. And when that takes hold, I feel compelled by it. And that starts me on the path of making something. And as you said, that this was something that didn't lend itself necessarily to being a, you know, a narrative film and that you found your way through Isabel's story. How did that piece come to you? Yeah, well, I knew I didn't want to make a documentary. I knew that I had wanted to do something with character and because I wanted to make a narrative film next. And so it was really looking at the characters within the book and they're there, but they're, they're not a full story. They're very anecdotal. And so it wasn't enough to make a film from any of these stories. Although I I attempted to do that. I attempted to say, well, maybe I can elongate some of these characters or do further research into them. That research is actually in the film. You find out a lot more about Alice and Elizabeth Davis, a lot more about the different historical figures that are mentioned in the book, but still was not enough to have a main character in a movie. And so that's when I started to 
try to figure out who that main character could be, how I could connect a contemporary story to this history, which I was interested in. And, and that's when the idea of, of actually following the author as she created the work came to mind. And as I played with that idea more and more, I began to love it. And when I was able to speak with Isabel Wilkerson and present the idea to her and she accepted it, then I was on my way and tried to build the story that way. How long did it take you to write the script? Two years. So talk a little bit about your creative relationship with Isabel Wilkerson and to get to the story that you wanted to tell. Yeah, she was very gracious in sharing her history with me, particularly her history as a journalist and as a researcher, as an investigator, and the steps that she took to move around the world and uncover this mystery. We talked a lot about her research practices and the kinds of things that she did. Really impressive and exciting to hear firsthand from a writer of her caliber as to what that process was, much of which I tried to integrate into Anjanou Ellis Taylor's great, great characterization of it all. And, and then she w was very generous in sharing the story of her losses and her family, and none of which had been extensively written about or shared. And so it was a very kind of reverent process in going through those questions with her. And the work was primarily on Zoom during the pandemic and a couple of meetings, hours long conversations, just a lot of correspondence and a lot of connection. And I'm really grateful to her for giving me that window into her experience. What did she say when she saw the film? I'm going to keep that private because that was a very private exchange, but I'll say that I'm thrilled that the film is in the world. Okay. There's also a point where you talk about that the film is not called Cast, it's called Origin. Can you elaborate a bit on how you got to that title? Uh, yeah, well, the, the, the film is not Cast. Right. It's about the, the making of Cast, what so felt disingenuous to call it Cast. If you think it's going to be a straight adaptation of the book, you would be disappointed. So in thinking about what it could be, I feel like this is talking about the origin of the idea and its, its growth is blossoming into the book. Also, it's talking about the origins of our discontent, which is in the title, the subheader of the book itself. So I was very pleased with myself. When we came on origin, I felt like it paid homage to the book as the word is in the book's title. And then also really spoke to what we're watching, which is beyond a piece that explores and introduces the idea of caste to people who might not have considered it in a contemporary context, especially in America. It explores the origin of an, of an idea and the process of a woman, artist, writer, scholar, stepping into a creative practice and growing this idea from a seed in her mind and her experience, which is something that was very exciting to me. It shouldn't feel so revolutionary, but it does. But it is, you know, that to see that creative process and how you brought it out and how Anjanou Ellis Taylor just embodied this in a way that was so profound. I found the movie very emotional because she's so good and just how it was written. And I guess... What I am trying to articulate is that you challenge us, but also entertain us. You have a gift. Do you feel like that is what your role is in this industry for the world? I don't know about my role in the industry. That's a whole different question. But as a storyteller, yes, my goal is to tell stories that are compelling, that entertain, that stick to your ribs, that you don't watch and then it's in one ear and out the other. It's something that informs the way that you organize your thoughts, maybe. You know, I've been lucky to have a few projects that 
uh, I think have done that for people from what I'm told that have I've helped people, you know, the human beings who are behind the civil rights movement and not just this time writ large with people who were always rendered without nuance. They were real people who did extraordinary things. Ordinary people did extraordinary things. And with 13th, prison is more than just a place where bad people go and to really understand what this is and what the system is that we all participate in. And so with Origin, hoping the same, that it, that it reorients us to things that are right in front of us that we might encounter in a different way. Yeah. And if any of my work has done that with Wrinkle in Time makes you think that Black girls can fly and experience mystical journeys as well because that hadn't been rendered on screen, then those are the kinds of things that I'm thrilled and privileged to be able to do and have a lot of fun doing and, and feel fortunate that I get the chance. I know you're always so humble about these things, but I'm going to go back a little bit to the industry for a second because you weren't able to get a studio to sign on to this. Now, you've been very public about talking about your way that you raised money for this. It's something lots of us who don't fit into the system think about. I don't want to put a round peg in a square hole, that kind of thing. And you always talk about, I don't want to sit at your table. I want my own table. And you are somebody people look to for possibility of thinking about things differently. Your model that you created in this, can you share any more about it? Do you think it's something other people should be thinking about? Sure. I'll just say, and I thank you for the kind words, but I will say just to, to clarify, this wasn't a situation where we couldn't get a studio to sign on. That's not what happened. What happened is we bypassed the two or three years of going around to studios to ask them to do this project that really just doesn't fit into their models. It's not what they do. I think one of the reasons why, or what I've learned and I'm happy to share is at some point you're beating your head against a wall when you're yeah. trying to introduce these delicate, nuanced perspectives on different kinds of people and ways of being to studios whose job is to be corporations and make as much money as possible. So they don't care about your story of your grandmother or your intimate story of coming of age like that. If you are from a certain place, you think a certain way, the story is small and delicate and very specific. It's just not what they do. And so at some point we need to say, I get it. <laughs> I get it and find another way. And so we certainly could still be pitching or we can do what we did, which is let's find another way to make it. And so my producing partner, Paul Garns and I, my producing partners, Regina Miller, Tulane Jones, we went out. And we started to pursue this idea of nonprofit organizations. And so to your question, our donors are philanthropists. And I certainly think there's opportunity there for other artists to explore that, that line of funding. That's a very doc documentary model. And you've put that to use for narrative. And I feel like people are always looking for a little hope in this industry that seems to be contracting now in a big way. And the stories, we thought we were seeing different kinds of stories. And now I'm worried that some of the stories that were just eking into our world are, are not going to be able to thrive. I'm sure you think about that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think I agree. But I think we have to do more than it. just think about how to get the story told, but how to get the story seen. And so right now, for me, that's a big part of the, the distribution. We've had a Ray releasing for a decade now where we're 
shepherding small projects out into the world in a very handmade way. We've been doing it since we were a firm five years before that, really trying to figure out and, and shepherd away in the distribution and exhibition space. You can ask almost any filmmaker who's been able to cobble together the money to make their story. Then you turn around and you're like, how do I reach an audience? Right. And so this is a big, big piece of the puzzle. And that's a lot of what we're incubating at Array and what I invite people to think about when you're raising that money, when you're trying to figure out your movie, make sure that you're raising enough to safeguard against what happens to so many, which you make the movie and then there's nowhere for it to go. Right. Lots of documentaries create these impact campaigns, but I've always been of the mind that you need to create them for narratives too. Like you have to have an idea of your community. Who are you making this for and how are you going to get them to see it? And now in the world where there is so much noise, it's very difficult to swim through it, to make people understand, yes, this is something you should see. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Very, very important. And of course, that's all we do at Array is think about those things. And I think that more folks, as they're trying to get that indie film made, you got to think about it all the way to the end. It's not finished until it's in someone's eyeballs. Yeah. So you, you got to get them there. Thank you so much. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you when I do. Wishing you good, good luck. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share it with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.